0: Let's turn tonight in our Bible to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. As you're turning to the place, let me welcome you. Thank you for coming. I appreciate your faithfulness. Some of you have had a very busy day were here this morning, and you went home, you grabbed a bite, and you said off to Kilkeel for the funeral, and then you've rushed back up the road again. And we, we, we do appreciate that. As I intimated this morning and Thursday night, Brother Sammy and I were down in Lurgan for Let the Bible Speak. Um, <clears throat> broadcasts that are being recorded to be put on to Revelation TV in time to come, and uh, Reverend Daryl Abernethy was one of the preachers. Uh, I think he was given 18 minutes to preach, so he hadn't very long, he said, and uh, his theme was uh, the worthiness of the Lamb. And um, This text of scripture, of course, struck a chord in my mind. Uh, I sat there transfixed and thinking about the words. so I'm not going to preach his sermon he's fit enough to preach his own sermon but i'm, I'm certainly using his text the text that he referenced to which we're going to read tonight revelation chapter five let's read the word of god together and i saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side Sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereof. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odours, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign in the earth. And I beheld. And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power. And riches and wisdom. And strength and honour and glory and blessing, and every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Amen, when the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible word for his name's sake. Now my text tonight <clears throat> is taken from Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And my theme this evening is entitled Consider The worthiness of the Lamb. Now, in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, the scene is in heaven. These two chapters give us a glimpse of what is going on in heaven before God pours out His judgment and His wrath upon this earth for its sin and rebellion against it. In Revelation chapter 4, we are introduced to the fact of a throne set in heaven. That throne is occupied, for we read, and one sat on the throne. That one is none other than the living and the true God who subsists as Father. The one who existed from all eternity. The, the great I Am. We, we think of what the psalmist said, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now we're told in Revelation 4 and 4 that round about the throne were 24 elders sitting clothed in white raiment and on their heads were crowns of gold. We're also told in the midst of the throne and round about were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. John describes these beasts in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 7. One was like a lion, one was like a calf, the third was like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each beast had six wings, but like the seraphims in Isaiah chapter 6. And we're told that day and night, rather than rest, they were praising God and rejoicing because they were crying out, Holy. Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, which is to come. And then in Revelation 4, verses 8 to 11, we are introduced to the worship of God um, by the four beasts and the 24 elders. Listen to Revelation 4 and verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now we come to chapter 5 and we learn that in God's right hand there's a book written on the back side and on the inside. And this book is sealed with seven seals. And a strong angel steps forward and asks the question, who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? Now notice what John tells us, he says in verse 3, And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Here's his response. And I wept much. This futile search for someone to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof broke John's heart. John felt that the future regarding the work and cause of God was bleak indeed. And then one of the elders stepped forward and said, listen to verse 5, Weep not, behold, which means to look, to gaze upon, to understand, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Verse 6, And I beheld. And lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Now, John, of course, I believe, looked to see a kingly lion. Instead, he saw a lamb standing, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent throughout all the earth. And I want you to notice what the lamb does. Look with me at verse 7. Very important. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Look at verse 8 now. This is what happened immediately when he did that. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odours, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God, out of thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and nation and people, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And the the moment that happened, it seemed to be that thousands upon thousands of angels joined in the chorus, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and blessing and glory. And then when you come to verse 13, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every creature in the sea and all that is them in. John says, heard I saying, blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Now we're going to think tonight for a few minutes about the worthiness of the Lamb. And I want to just tell you three things. I want you to think, first of all, about the revelation of the Lamb. We read in verse 9, Thou art worthy to take the book. And then, of course, in verse 12 we read these myriad of angels joining in saying Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. Now why is the Lamb worthy? He's worthy because of who he is. He's worthy because of what he's like. And he's worthy because of what he's done. And as I think about this Portrait of the Lamb, this revelation of the Lamb. I see first of all the Lamb's sovereignty. Look with me at verse 7. It says, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now that book's very important. Because that book, I believe, is a picture portrait of all the details all the plans and all the purposes that God has for subduing the enemies of Christ and bringing in his reign upon this earth. And that book, of course, is in his right hand. And the right hand a symbol of power and authority. He is ultimately sovereign over all history. Somebody has said that history is his story. He is the ultimate controller of all the events that take place in the world's history. As I've said, the right hand refers to the fact that he has authority to uh, translate the contents of the book uh, written on both sides to indicate its importance of God's judgments for the earth. After John weeps, John's told to weep not, he's told about the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and list the seven seals thereof. And as John looks for the lion, the kingly lamb, he sees a lamb. The lamb steps forth and takes the book out of the right hand of God. And as soon as he took the book, it prompted the worship of the beast and the 24 elders and millions of angels and added into that the world's population crying out this message, worthy is the Lamb. Why is the Lamb worthy? He's worthy because he takes the book. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. It says in verse 12, worthy is the lamb that was slain. So the lamb is worthy because he is the sovereign lamb who has power and authority given to him by the Father, being God the Son, to take the book and to loose the seals. And he's worthy because he was slain and has redeemed us to God by his blood. The Lord Jesus is the lamb. And he's the only one with authority to break open the seals of the book. The one who was slain. The one who is the redeemer of sinners. You see, let's think for a moment of the symbolism of that book. Under the Old Testament Jewish ceremonial ceremonial law, a man who lost his property, say, lost his factory or his business, lost his farm, lost his house... That was sold to pay off debtors and creditors. The wonderful thing about the Jewish ceremonial law was that that was only for a period of time. It was not lost forever. In the year of Jubilee, according to Leviticus 25, 50 years, all lost property could be returned to its original owner, high through the intervention of a kinsman-redeemer. Kinsman-redeemer was the nearest relative to the person who had lost all his property. You see, all the details of that loss of property, all the details of the debt, were set up (laughs) in a scroll or a book, and they were sealed, and they were put into the hands of the priest. And only the kinsman-redeemer the nearest relative to that person who had lost all, was worthy to open the book and to break the seal. And the one who had lost all could have that thing which he lost restored and repurchased in the year of Jubilee. The king's man, redeemer, could have the scroll placed into his right hand and he had the power and right to break it open and reveal its contents. And Revelation 5 has a wonderful gospel application here. Because through sin and the fall into sin, Adam and us in him lost his God-given inheritance. And then in the fullness of time came the Lord Jesus, the real true kinsman redeemer. And he purchased by his own blood what Adam had lost. And now he alone has the right to restore that lost inheritance. And here we have the Lord Jesus as the Lamb taking the book. He has the sovereign right and authority given to him by God to take the book out of the right hand of the Almighty and to break the seals thereof and to restore that lost inheritance sinful and penitent man. John sees the sovereignty of the Lamb. The Lamb, remember, symbolized in his first coming, he lived a life of self-denial, he offered a once and for all sacrifice for sin, he made reference to the fact that John the Baptist said behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And over there in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, um, the prophet said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. A lamb to the slaughter. And, and here he is again in heaven. And John sees the lamb. And the lamb now is sovereign. The the lamb now is the centre of all creation. The lamb's in the midst of the throne. And the elders and the four beasts that are round about the throne, they're worshipping the lamb. The lamb's the central character. They're saying to the lamb, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Why? For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. And then the angels say worthy is the Lamb that was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. The Lamb's sovereignty. I want you to see also here the Lamb slain. Because it says in verse 6. And I beheld and know in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts. And in the midst of the elders stood a Lamb as it had been slain. The reference was made in verse 9. For thou was slain. And again in verse 12. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Now that word slain is very important. It speaks of a violent. Bloodstained death. It, it, it speaks of. The mutilation of an animal being cut up in sacrifice. We would have to think about the gory crucifixion of the Lord Jesus on the tree. You you think tonight how they stripped him naked. How they pierced his skull with those thorns that were one inch to maybe four or five inches long. A whip lacerated his back and left it red with running like a ploughed field. Fists bruised his face. They asked him by way of taunt, who smote you? Nails gouged holes in his hands and his feet. A spear tore into his side. Water and blood come out. He was hated without a cause. And that's only his physical suffering. And you add into that the mental and emotional agony. Remember he cried out from the cross. Psalm 22 verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we're reminded in this scene in heaven that this lamb was not only sovereign, but this lamb was slain. And in fact in verse 6 it says in the margin of the Bible, i newly slain lamb a lamb as it had been newly slain we'll come back to that i want you to see also here the lamb standing remember this lamb's been slain it says and i beheld and know in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb the lamb's alive The lamb's not in the tree, he's not in the tomb. The lamb's in the midst of the throne, and the lamb's standing. The one who was violently put to death on Mount Calvary is now standing before the throne. He's alive again. That brings in the doctrine of the resurrection. We believe, of course, in the uh, visible, bodily, tangible resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, from the dead. I want you to see also here of the lamb's strength. Because his strength is awesome. Having seven horns. Seven's the number of perfection in the Bible. Horns speak of power. And authority. Horns is a biblical symbol of power and authority and strength. Power in defeating his foes. His enemies and ours. It says, and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Seven against the number of perfection. The perfection of divine wisdom. The perfection of divine discernment. The perfection of omniscience. You see, he is all-knowing tonight. He knows everything about each of us. He's all-seeing. Thou, God, seest me. And he's all-powerful. And we're told here that these seven eyes are the seven manifestations of the Spirit that, of course, um, speak to Christ about all that's happening in the earth, all that transpires in the world. They communicate to Christ. Think of this Lamb, sovereign, the Lamb slain, the Lamb standing, but the Lamb in the fullness of strength, with all power, with all knowledge, All seeing. You can't pull the wool over his eyes. One day you'll face the Lamb. Was not the purpose of His first coming? Luke nineteen verse ten: The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that was lost. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. The purpose of his first coming was he was manifested to take away sin and destroy the works of the devil. And he does that by giving his grace to repent and receive him as Lord and Saviour. But you think of his second coming. Here he is in heaven. It's all about power. And it's all about glory. And it's about Christ preparing to, to deal with his enemies. You think tonight of those that know not God and obey not the gospel. Remember what the Apostle wrote to the church at Thessalonica and he said this in um, Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. He says, unto you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and obey not the gospel for Lord Jesus Christ, he shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in the saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So, so there's the revelation of the Lamb. The Lamb's in heaven, he's before the throne. And the Lamb is sovereign, the Lamb is slain, the Lamb is standing, and the Lamb is full of strength and power. Now I want you to think not only of the revelation of of the Lamb, but I want you to think with me about the rejoicing of the Lamb. It says twice, Worthy is the Lamb. Now why is he worthy of praise and adoration? Let me try and answer that. He's worthy because he's our creator and maker. Isn't this what we read of him in First uh, John or, or John chapter 1 uh, and in the uh, verse 3 um, it says, All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of man over again in the book of colossians a tremendous statement is made about um, jesus christ and we read there in colossians chapter 1 and in the uh, verse um, 16 For by him are all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Isn't that a tremendous statement? Here's why we ought to worship him. He's our creator and maker. He's the one who designed us. He's the one who gives us health and strength and every blessing to enjoy physically and temporally, materially. Aye, and most of all, spiritually. Why ought we to worship him? Because he is the controller. He's the only one that can take the book out of the hand of God. And if this book contains the history of the world and all the events that are yet to unfold, and it's in his hand, And he is the one who has sovereign power and authority to open that book. And of course, he's worthy because he's redeemer. And I've already made reference to the fact that the word slain and what it means is referred to three times in the text. It brings us to the cross. And we can think about the death of Jesus Christ. When did it happen? Roughly 2,000 years ago. Where? Outside the city walls of Jerusalem. We could think about the way, the horrible death of crucifixion. We could even add who? Well, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary, son of man, son of God. But why? Why was he slain? Remember. It was our sins. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was manifested to take away our sin, manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And, and therefore Jesus Christ is worthy of overwhelming praise. And, and and this should be our response to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. He, he's creator. He's controller. But most of all, he is Redeemer, you think tonight for a moment of the substance of redemption. (coughs) We read here in the text For thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. There's the source of redemption. There's the very substance of it. The blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let's never forget, it's the blood that atones for the soul. The redemption of the sinner flows out of the atonement of the blood sacrifice of Christ. Over there in the chapter 17 and verse 11 says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and i've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul leviticus 17 verse 11 is a key verse it's the blood that atones for the soul and i want you to learn it i want you to underline it i don't want you to forget it and 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 the only blood that atones for the soul is the blood of christ and how do I know that Leviticus 17, 11 is a reference to the blood of Christ? It's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Well, if you read uh, your Bible and look with me at Revelation chapter 10, let's just very quickly there for time's time's gone on, um, turn to Revelation 10. It, it, it says there, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscious of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Look at verse 4 For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Now, now, do you understand that? The day of atonement was repeated year on year. It, it was a yearly sacrifice, and it didn't make one soul perfect. They, they were never sinlessly perfect. They were never really legally justified. They, 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 the blood of bulls and goats didn't make them perfect. It was only a pointer, a type of the Saviour's blood. The only blood that could take away sin was the blood of a sinless man, a special man, a sacrificial man, a substitute man. It says here, verse 5, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, there's his incarnation, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offering and sacrifice for sin, thou was at no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. And we read, Neither by the blood of Goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained redemption for us. And in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, we read, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Leviticus 17:11. it's not the animal's blood that's in view. It's the Saviour's blood. It's the only blood that makes atonement for the soul. And that's one of the great statements of the book. It's the blood of Christ by reason of a sinless life and atoning death. And that's a message for the sinner. The price is paid, paid in full. And that price is propitiious; God is satisfied. His wrath has been appeased. His holiness and justice has been satisfied. And therefore, peace with God is established. Reconciliation on the basis and ground of the blood is offered. And sinners can be redeemed. On this very basis, God legally pronounces us righteous and justified in his sight. I made reference to verse 6, as it had been slain. We read there, stood a lamb as it had been newly slain. Because the, the, the import of the word slain means just at that exact moment. In other words, there's a perpetual freshness about the blood. We're, we're, we're looking into heaven. We're seeing here a picture of the, the whole company of the redeemed. The ones who are kept by the power of God on the ground of the blood of the newly slain lamb. any wonder we sing that the blood shall never lose its power and how precious the blood of Christ is to us. And It's very important that we see the, the source and the subject and the very subsistence of that redemptive work. I want you to think in closing for our time has gone, just the reach of the Lamb. Notice these words. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now, now there's no such thing as universal salvation. All men will not be saved. But men out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation will be saved. The The Great missionaries of the past have been sent forth under the authority and given direction by the Redeemer, the one who's the Lamb of God. It's the outworking of... The application of redemption, the work of every preacher, the work of every missionary, Sunday school teacher, every servant of the cross, the privilege of bringing the word of God and sharing the gospel, whether it's the missionary at home or, or in the missionary overseas. We all serve under the authority of Christ. We serve as a people redeemed by his blood. And, and as we serve him, we serve him. with this thought in mind that out of every segment of humanity the lord has decreed and determined to save a people these words these words have their origin in the book of genesis these words have their origins in the book of galatians the basis of missionary work therefore is the basis of redemption. And therefore we have confidence. In the gospel. See sometimes we, we, we are full of unbelief. It's impossible for anybody to be saved. Will God add to the church? Will God fill up the empty seats in his own church? In our church? Will God add to the number and strengthen us numerically for the future? And here's the reach of the Lamb. Do do you see that tonight? It's thou has redeemed us to God. Out of what? Every kindred and tongue and and people and nation. In other words, God's redemptive work stretches out universally throughout the world. And while we don't believe in a universal salvation, all men will not be saved. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation under heaven will be brought to Christ. And therefore we can have confidence to go. And believing that the Lord will work with us. And the Lord will bring honour and blessing uh, to the praise of his name. Now this is a great text of scripture. I just wasted more time to, to open it up. It only sort of come to me on Thursday evening. And I was scribbling down a few thoughts. And, uh, well the Lord knows all about it. But I, I leave these few thoughts with you. Ponder in your mind the revelation of the Lamb. Think about our response. Worthy. And why he's worthy. And think about the reach. May the Lord bless these few thoughts to your heart this evening.